Hello and welcome back to another episode of 99 Problems But A Boss Ain't One, the podcast where we tackle your freelance challenges one episode at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Katie Carlisle, and I run my own freelance web design and training business, The Wheel Exists. And my name's Michelle Pratt, your other co-host, and I'm a personal development trainer and coach of Dive Deeper Development. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about mental health and well-being amongst freelancers and so obviously we're calling this podcast 99 problems so michelle i know you did some research and you did some sessions actually on on kind of mental health and well-being for freelancers on behalf of ipsy and you did some research into it did you find in your research that it was a problem for freelancers yeah, it's a really tricky one, Katie, because I, I was looking at this and um, there's a few different papers been published, but there's really mixed reports uh, on whether freelancing has an impact on mental health. Some studies suggest that freelancers are significantly more affected by mental health issues. And one I saw suggested over half of freelancers had experienced some kind of depression or mental health problem. But I, I do find those reports are generally by insurance companies and I'm always a little bit sceptical that they <laughs> might want to say some accident sickness or unemployment uh, you know, benefits. Um, then, on the other hand, I have seen some studies that suggest that freelancers are... Um, actually might have better mental health than the average population it's really hard to tell whether that's because you've got this freedom and this control and that's good for your mental health or whether people who have good mental health and well-being are more likely to opt into freelancing you do need a bit of confidence and the ability to deal with uh, ambiguity easy for me to say and uncertainty (laughs) so we could be a self-selecting group so there are stats out there but I don't think it's a massively researched area so um yeah the, the jury's out um, but I do think, though, there are, I think it's worth being aware, there are some reasons why being freelance or self-employed generally might be a more of a challenge to your mental well-being. And I think it might be worth covering some of those. I mean, I mean, Katie, what do you think? I looked at some papers. What are your thoughts on that? I think, I mean, like you were saying, it's 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 very easy to get some statistics and be like, freelancers are struggling. And actually... It, it might be that for freelancers, the lows are slightly lower and the highs are slightly higher than for people who are employed. and Or, or it might be that freelancers just feel more willing to talk about it because they're not in the stigma of employment. Um, I know that's certainly the case for me. Um, you know, when I when I was working, I've, I've had anxiety for pretty much all of my adult life. And when I was working, if I was struggling, then I would pretend to have a cold or some kind of, you know, physical ailment or something if I needed to not go into work because I didn't feel like talking about mental health was a real illness and you know a legitimate reason to have time off work you know it was that sort of pull yourself together and I worked in quite kind of progressive organizations as well so I could only think in a corporate world where it's a bit more cutthroat it's probably you know would have been even more frowned upon so that was 10 years ago and things are changing and have changed now but I do think that perhaps freelancers feel more able to talk about it because they don't have to worry about is that going to hurt their career progression is it going to you know are people going to think less of them especially if the places where people talk about it aren't necessarily the same places they get their clients from so they can keep that kind of sharing uh, you know within a safe space so I do wonder if it's almost over-reported from freelancers and there's actually other people who are employed but that are still feeling the, the pressure you know the feeling that's struggling with mental health or they're suffering in terms of their own their own well-being um so yeah I think I mean for me freelancing has actually helped my mental health it's not that it's caused me to have problems it just means that I'm able to manage it more easily so I wouldn't say it's necessary well I think it's probably better since I started freelancing because it's taken a certain degree of pressure off um and you know, it's it's it just it's the management of it that's much easier. And we're going to talk about managing if you're struggling in a bit more detail later on in the podcast. But I think you know there are things like the financial pressures that are much more real for freelancing than yeah, they are definitely. for people who are employed. Um, you know, cash flow and not not knowing about income and late payments and everything is stuff that you don't necessarily have to deal with if you're employed so I think that that is one of the reasons that freelancers do get probably more stressed or more overwhelmed um 
and just the, the fact that you are, you are in charge of everything. So, you know, it's, it's, you don't necessarily have a team there to support you. So if something goes wrong, it's kind of all on you to fix it, or it's actually, you know, you're, you have to accept some responsibility for it. Um, I mean, Michelle, what are the reasons have you come across in terms of people who are struggling with their mental health? Yeah. Or reasons that you've seen that might contribute to mental health issues amongst freelancers? Yeah, I think you're right, Kate. Financial pressure is a big one because all human beings need certainty. So knowing that you're going to be able to pay your rent or your mortgage and that you're going to be able to eat is a biggie. Um, but there are a couple of things, you know, uncertainty. There's a lot of uncertainty when you're a freelancer. Uh, so with great freedom and control comes great uncertainty as well. And that can be about anything, about which clients, what work, how much work. All As you say, Katie, you've got to decide all of these things. No one's determining that for you. And I think that creates a great mental load as well as creating the uncertainty. I also think the other thing that causes pressure, and I think sometimes people forget this one, is ambiguity as well. So it's great to have this choice. It's great to have this freedom, but that creates a huge mental load. So ambiguity and too many choices can be as stressful as too many demands on your time and both of those things create cognitive overload so your brain likes nice straightforward decisions to make um david rock uh, author of your brain at work says the optimal number of choices to have is one failing that the next best one is two choices to choose from more than that <laughs> and it can feel quite stressful so we have a lot of choices to make i think the other one as well is that you you mentioned the corporate world um certainly in the corporate world my experience is that um it's quite hard to i don't you don't want to admit weakness i did eventually do that with a manager when i was feeling burnout but it took quite a long time and it took quite a lot of psyching myself up these days i notice a lot of corporates are talking about mental health i still think they're piling the workload and the pressure on people so so what they're doing is they're still putting demands and pressure on you but they're giving you resilience classes to and mindfulness sessions as a company perk to help you deal with it which seems a bit bizarre but the other thing that that businesses do that freelancers don't have are occupational health schemes so quite often there's a helpline that's independent of the company you can call or there's there's an employee champion for these things and of course as freelancers we don't necessarily have that expertise bought in we'd probably have to seek it and obviously just you know full disclaimer for this episode we're not neither of us are mental health professionals we're coming at this from the perspective of freelancers and people who you know both of us have had um you know struggles with mental health at various points in our lives and so that's where we're coming from but if you are struggling then obviously please do seek help from a qualified professional just kind of want to make sure that we're saying that and being very clear about that yeah i mean i'm confident in our podcast but i don't think it's a substitute for for good uh, medical advice <laughs> No, no, exactly. <laughs> um, so, I mean, Michelle, we've talked about some of the reasons why it might be a bit detrimental to uh, mental health as freelancing. But I, I mean, I've talked about some advantages. What other ones have you come across? Um, yeah, I mean, for me, Katie, it was just the ability to choose. So I mentioned that ambiguity creates a lot uh, of mental load for us. But ultimately, we can choose how much we work, when we work. And for me, um, we can also choose who we work with as well. So um, for me, if there's clients that you don't want to work with or situations that make life very difficult for you, then um, certainly you can um choose that to a certain degree of course if you're offered work then um you know you're probably going to want to take it for money but um you can ultimately say no if something really is flexible uh, sorry stressful but it's not just the, the stress if it's just not your thing if it doesn't play to your strengths or talents we've we can now spend more time operating a space that really fulfills us so I, I think that playing to your strengths is not just about avoiding stress but actually playing to your strengths and playing to your natural rhythms the way you work that helps um enormously as well i also think being able to choose your own support network so i mentioned when you work for an organization it may not be so easy to talk about these things but um the great thing about freelancing as i'm sure you found as well katie is that there's there's a lot of people out there in the same boat and they're just great you know they're really really good for supporting and there's people out there willing to share their experiences with you and i think that choice of support network is a huge boost yeah, and I think being able to find other people that, like you say, are in that same boat that you can open up to. And it's just nice sometimes when you can talk to people and, and it makes you feel like you're not going mad. You know, yeah. I think it's, 
it's I, I, it's something that um even if even if it's not like a kind of even if it's not something that you would classify as a mental health problem but if you're just really like feeling overwhelmed or feeling really kind of stuck on something I think that can really almost kind of put a big cloud over the whole of the rest of your work if you've got something that's on your mind so I think finding those people being able to reach out to people and just say can I just check is this normal or is it me being weird like I had that with somebody the other day they reached out to me and said look I've I've got this situation can I just tell you about it and get your feedback um and 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 actually I think just through being able to kind of talk that through I think really helped that person to you know kind of almost go with their gut feeling but they needed just that bit of extra kind of you know a sounding board or something that you can validate with and I think that's so that's so helpful um and I think like you said as well Michelle you know being able to choose your own clients means that you can potentially I know this isn't an option for everybody but if you are really struggling and to the point where you actually you know have to have a, a restricted availability you can probably find the you know the right kind of clients would be the people who would understand that and who appreciate working with you um and don't really mind that as long as you're kind of managing your time well enough as well um you know so like a lot of the people that i work for example they work part-time that you know they're, they're parents and so they've got they, they've got restricted hours as well so you know I don't even have to say why it is if I'm working slightly restricted hours I don't have to say why it is but they appreciate that they're working part-time if I'm working part-time too that's fine as long as we can work out a time to make sure that we can still have catch-ups and we can still get the work done and progress it quickly enough then it doesn't really matter yeah I think if you like if you're a smaller organization as well Katie it's true isn't it like if you work for a big company then there's normally a whole team of people involved in a project if you're a freelancer there might just be considerably less people involved it does make it a little bit easier exactly you don't need to sort of then because you know I don't I don't know if you've kind of ever experienced it Michelle but like I even though there is I will quite happy say like mental health is you know is a real disease and your well-being is really important and there should not be any stigma or shame attached to it just like you wouldn't feel ashamed to have a cold I still feel embarrassed when I have to tell people that I'm if I, you know if I have to tell people I'm not well like it's unusual for me to try to cancel to have to cancel like a client training session or anything like that but on on the off chance sometimes it does happen and and so then I decide whether I'm comfortable enough sharing kind of with them the real reason or or whether I'm just saying, you know, I can't do this, can we reschedule? And that's the other thing, actually. A lot of people feel like they need to tell people the truth. Not, 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 not that, like, they would lie otherwise, but, like, it's almost like a lot, some people don't actually care. Like, you know, um, sometimes I just say to people, I can't make this date, can we reschedule? And they're like, yeah, fine. And they don't need to know, they don't need, like, a whole excuse about it. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I do share it with them so that they can they understand that it's not that I'm not valuing their time, there's a real reason behind it. But yeah, I think, like, the more people talk about it, then the more it becomes okay to talk about it and the less there is a stigma. And, like, yeah, because I, I, I do feel embarrassed sometimes if I have to kind of apologise for moving something back. And I think... Um, one of the topics that we're going to be talking about in a future episode is how to handle tough conversations and I think the thing we always come back to in a lot of these episodes is just good communication yeah and so I think that's another thing that's really important when when managing your freelancing the other thing I'd say as well in terms of advantages is that you can scale up and down your hours I think you sort of um, touched on this before but that's the thing like if you were employed then you either pretty much generally have that hours that you work you either work part-time or you work full-time or whatever some weeks I can work you know 50 hours quite happily some weeks I can barely do 10 so it it allows me to scale up and down depending on how well I'm doing and how I'm feeling um and so I think that's really helpful too because I can I can manage my workload a bit better if I'm having a, a good week then I can do more and if I'm having a bad week I can do less I can work at the times of day that suit me so at the moment um, I'm, I'm working much more in the evenings, um, but sometimes I'll probably move towards working more in the daytime. And, and, I, and I like that ability to be able to kind of mix it up and do, you know, work when it suits me. Because I'm just finding I'm more energised in the evenings at the moment. And so I'm embracing that. But you can't do that as easily if you're not freelance. 
Yeah, definitely. I think we definitely have some advantages as, as freelancers. As you say, Katie, I think the the big challenge for a lot of people is just giving yourself permission to make the most of those advantages as well. Because like you say, sometimes you do feel a bit weak uh, or like you failed if, if you take it. I mean, I remember went to a, a, a networking event or like a slash, you know, training day. And um, I'm actually fine. My mental well-being is great, like 99% of the time. But for some reason, I just had a really rough um, week or month professionally and personally and I just got to the you know how like you're pushing through on adrenaline and I got to this event and the event was so popular it was way bigger than normal and I just felt overwhelmed and I honestly felt like I couldn't talk to anybody like I don't normally I normally would love that but it's just something about overwhelmed by all these people I, I, I was so like how am I going to talk to all these people it was a bit of a sensory overload and I couldn't take it in so then when we broke into small groups and they wanted someone to present back that's what I do I'm normally quite happy to do it and I, I felt quite pathetic saying do you mind if I don't present back today I just can't face it in front of other trainers as well and you just think this is what we do for a living I feel so pathetic not being able to do what is basically my job for two minutes and you don't you don't really want to admit it but I just like you said Katie I was just honest and just said look it's not a cop-out I'm not making excuses I just I just can't is that okay and actually people like you say people are really really supportive so we we can take advantage of these things and we should we do have this flexibility and freedom and I think it's really important we give ourselves the permission to to use it and like you say if you've got less hours on um work less hours it's fine we don't have contracted hours so we can use that time it kind of works two ways as well because if you're opening up to other people then they might feel willing to open up to you and actually if if like like for example I don't have kids so I never have I, you know, that's not something that ever prevents me from being able to work. Whereas I know that some people who've got kids, sometimes your kid is sick and you have to take care of your kid if like the nursery or the school won't take them or like you don't want them to go into school because they're ill and, and you just can't work around them. You gotta, you know, then, then you have to be honest with people and say, look, I'm sorry, I can't, I've got no childcare. I need to just move this meeting. And I'm always happy to do that because I think, well, that's not a problem that, that's not a problem that I experience but I know that I have my own situations where I might need some flexibility so I'm happy to be flexible for you because I know that in the future I might need you to be flexible for me so I think sometimes it might feel scary to talk to people who maybe don't have mental health problems about mental health or about anything to do with your well-being but they've got everybody's probably got that 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 thing that is the thing for them whether it's caring responsibilities whether it's you know, um, say physical ailment or something, you know, Physi- yeah. yeah, exactly. Physical problem, whether, whether it's situational. So, you know, maybe there's some building work going on next door. And so you just can't do the calls from your house like you normally can. And you can't find anywhere else that's quiet. Do you mean there's so many things that could happen that, that, that come up, that, that, that thrown at people, you know, so many circumstances that people come up against that I just think there's always something that someone can relate to that isn't necessarily mental health, but there's a reason that is beyond their control that is stopping them from being able to function as they would like to. Yeah, and everybody and everybody is is really understanding. So definitely, I think you know, if it's, like you say, it's one thing for one people, something else for else. People are generally quite understanding. Um, and you know, there's some good, other good news in this, Katie, as well. Um, there, there was an Ipsy Wellbeing report that showed that although as freelancers, we do have some additional challenges, potentially, as we mentioned earlier, with mental well-being, their report showed that the rewards are definitely worth it. So most freelancers responding to their survey said, whatever the challenge freelancers uh, face uh, it's absolutely all worth it for the end and I think that's the big advantage for all of us isn't it it's that even if we are having tough times it's for us so when you're asking yourself well, what am I doing this for or why am I putting up with this um, it's, a, it's usually a temporary thing at the end of the day it's for that bigger picture and it is for, for us whether that's a lifestyle thing an income thing or um, just your sense of purpose so uh, definitely definitely worth it for most freelancers which is a good sign so Katie we've we've talked about maintaining your well-being um and we'll talk about generally how we can look after ourselves but you've mentioned they're talking to clients so let's just start off with um how we can prevent mental health episodes do you have any tips about how we can prevent these situations from occurring in the first place where we have to tell people that we can't meet a deadline for example yeah definitely and I think like you know you 
there's always going to be things that come up that you can't predict and I think there's you no know, I would never try and say oh yeah everything is preventable and you should just suck it up and you know get on with it but I think you you can anticipate where there might be problems and you can try and manage your your time and your communication with the clients in order to make it not an issue like if you ask most of my clients they probably would think I work full time and don't have any mental health problems. You know, like it's it's not something that most people need to know. Um, and actually, at the moment, I'm I'm sort of I think I mentioned this in the last episode. I'm experimenting with doing like my client work in kind of chunks in the afternoons on Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. And that's something I am sharing with clients because of the ones that I think would be interested anyway, because I think most of the clients I work with are probably quite interested in, in sort of the flexible ways, different ways of working. You know, most of them work for themselves as well. Um, and so I'm sharing with them that's what I'm doing. I'm not saying why I'm doing it, but I'm saying what I'm doing. And so they understand, okay, so that means we need to get the work to you by the Friday if we want it done in that following week. And that's actually giving me a really good structure to work within. Um, so I think setting, set, you know, setting time aside like that, where you've got a bit of a, uh, you know, a kind of framework and trying to do stuff in advance. So for example, I try not to say, I'm going to work on this on a specific day because that way I don't feel like if I'm not up to it, then, I'll, you know, then I have to do that work on that day. Um, so I try to say like, um, I'm going to be working on it next week and I will send you an update when it's ready. And then if I've got the time to do it early, I'll do it early. And then if not, I'll do it kind of by the time that I've said to them. And I think it's about knowing what works for you. So for me, I'm I'm very accountable to deadlines and I will meet deadlines. So, but I try and make sure that they are realistic deadlines. So, and this is something that's taken me a while to get to. Um, the, the whole like saying no thing is really hard and like trying to people please and everything. Um, and I'm still struggling with that. But one thing that I am quite good at now is if someone says to me, right, okay, can you do this? And I'll, then I'll be very clear and say, yes, I can do it next week. Or yes, I can fit that in in two weeks time. Or if they say to me, can, can we, you know, can you get this to me for tomorrow? Then I would very rarely promise them. I might, if it's something, if it's a client that I have a good relationship with and they don't ask me to do that very often and it's something that I think I could fit in, then I might say, oh yes, I'll try and, I'll, you know, I'll see what I can do or something like that. Um, but I would very, very rarely promise my time to somebody. And so it's about, for me, it's managing expectations and communicating. And if on the rare occasion I've not been able to meet a deadline, I'll try and let the client know. Or if I think I won't be able to meet a deadline, I'll try and let the client know as, as early as possible. And I'll say, look, I know I said I'd get this to you for Wednesday. Um, I've, I've made a start on it or whatever, you know, like um, I've made a start on it, but I do think I do a bit, a few more hours on it just to kind of get it right. Would it be okay if I got it to you by Friday instead? And I've never had anybody come back negatively from that to me. They've always been, yes, that's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, unless it's obviously a kind of launch date, but I, again, I would be very, very strict with kind of making sure that everything is done in advance of a launch date. I would, I would never say a launch date would be, the day we're finishing everything it would be like no that has to be you know we, we need to give ourselves a bit of a buffer yeah. for that i think i think that i think that buffer is is like a i think that buffer is a, a good a good way of of looking at it katie as well it just gives you a bit uh a bit of a mental break and i was thinking about this and i was thinking when i used to manage a team of people uh if they worked for me 35 hours a week i would never ever you know, have them doing client facing work 35 hours in that week. I would never flog my team or rinse every little bit out of them. I would allow for the fact that they would have sickness, that their kids might have the picking up from school, that they might have a doctor's appointment or that the third party we were relying on might not come up with the goods and the project might go haywire. So I always built that time, that flexibility into the schedule for the team so that they had the capacity to do what they want to do. And I also knew that if I flogged my team, my team are going to fall down eventually so I needed to look after the people and I, I think you would never treat other people that way so we shouldn't treat ourselves that way when it's us and it's like we are the business we feel like oh I must work all the hours that I can or I must um, you know say yes to every bit of client work 
But if you would never manage another person that way, then it's absolutely okay to give yourself permission to put that, as you say, Kate, that leeway in the schedule. And you can, the way you've described it there, you can do it really professionally in a way that doesn't sound flaky or non-committal. You can absolutely deliver. It's just about setting expectations, isn't it? I think. Yeah, exactly. And even things like, like I have a footer in a, a, a footer, in, yeah, a signature, like in my in my email footer, um, which says um, something like, uh, "I'm so basically I'm not. I don't live in my inbox. I'm sometimes out and about at events and meetings, um, so I won't reply instantly." but I will reply generally within 24 hours. If it's anything urgent, please send me a WhatsApp or call me. And so then people know how to get in touch with me. But if they've replied, you know, if I've corresponded to them, I don't have it set as an automatic kind of responder because I don't want to clog up other people's inboxes, even though I would quite like to do that. But like, I kind of want to respect their inbox space. Um, But I have it so that it's automatically on my replies so that people know as, you know, and, and I will say this to them as well when they, when I first take on a client, I'll explain to them, okay, yeah, so you know, in order to focus on work, I don't live in my inbox and I'm not really reactive to things pinging up. So there will be times when I'm not available for communication. And that includes when I'm working on your work. And so they, they appreciate that normally. They're like, yeah, cool, that's great. I want you to be focused when you're doing my website, great. Um, and so I manage their expectations from the beginning and I have a chat about how I work. And I think I've never had somebody say, oh, actually that doesn't work for me. But if I did, I probably wouldn't take them on as a client. If they said, actually, no, I need you to be available five days a week, nine to five. I need to be able to call you whenever I want to. I would not take that client on because I just know that I wouldn't be able to do, I wouldn't be able to give them what they wanted. And for me, that would be an unrealistic level of service to be able to deliver. And so, and I, and I would then end up getting grumpy about it as well. And then I wouldn't do as good a job. And so for me, it's about just setting out those, setting out those expectations um, in, in advance. And I think as well, like knowing, knowing the things that drain you as well are really important. So like, I know if I've, if, you know, sometimes I might have like a networking thing on a Friday with freelance work, you know, like going and doing some co-working and going for drinks. And then maybe I'll be doing, sometimes it's happened, we've had like stuff on a Friday and then I've done a, a, a weekend website workshop and then I've had a training workshop on the Monday and then something else, client meetings on the Tuesday. And I know if I've had that spate of five days where I've been sort of on it, as it were, the whole time, I need to book a, at least a day, if not two, pretty much off after that, because it's, even though I am quite an extrovert, so I do get my energy from people. If I've got that sustained being like, I call it being delightful, because <laughs> I'm like generally consider myself not to be like that naturally. I'm like, so basically, I'm not being my like, I'm not being like sarcastic and sweary all the time. I'm being like professional. <laughs> I'm never professional, but like, I'm, I am, no, I am professional. I'm not like corporate business professional. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I probably do swear in my workshops, to be honest. Um, but it's that sort of, that that kind of being nice and being, pub, I guess, client-facing or, or outward-facing for a sustained period of time, I feel, does take it out of me as well. Um, so I, I know I need that balance. And so I know I need to make sure that I've got time set aside after that. Um, and if I've got personal things coming up, then I'll just tell, again, I'll say to clients, look, you know, what I normally do if I'm so say if I'm going on holiday um then like I I mean I love going on holiday it's relaxing but I hate traveling especially flying and so it does cause me stress and like I get stressed about delays and queues and stuff and so like the return journeys especially could be you know stressful if like in in the past we've the way the flights have worked out coming back from Denmark to visit Roland's parents it could be like uh, the flight gets in like half an hour before the last bus and so it was always that kind of, are we going to make it? We're we not going to make it. And so I know just, just like the stress of that. And just also like, um, you know, when we, when we go to Denmark, I mainly talk Danish, which is lovely. And, but it does kind of no, take it out of foreign me languages of really the, the, do like, put yeah, like the on, cognitive, yeah. the cognitive load. And I know that Roland's mum sometimes listens to this podcast. So like, I'm not saying that I don't like going and talking Danish. Um, because I've already, we've, we've had this chat already where she's like, oh, you sometimes seem a bit tired. And I'm like, yeah, it's just thinking about things in Danish. I have to like really actively listen all the time. Um, and, and it's really, I mean, I love languages, so it's fun for me, but it's also very draining. 
Um, and so it's that kind of like, okay, I know I need those extra days. So I'll tend to put my out of office on for longer than I'm actually away for. So I'll tend to add on one or two days to my out of office just in case I need them. And if I don't, I can start doing the work and I can reply to emails, you know, it doesn't preclude me from replying, but it just gives me that extra space when I get back yeah. to do stuff like if I haven't sorted that, clean the house while I was before I went away and stuff um, to then create the right environment for me when I go back to work. That out of office is good. I always put the out of office on for longer just to give me a bit of breathing space. And I don't think anyone yeah. really expects you to be available like, you know, 24-7. I think people feel they need to be always available. But I find this particularly in companies where um, our instant messaging is used quite a lot and they can see each other's work. I mean, it's quite freak a lot of companies now, especially software companies. They can see whether each whether they're logged on and where their colleagues are. And I just think that's that's too much. But I, I kind of get why they do it. But for me, Kate, you're right about the travelling as well, Katie. Like for me, if I'm on the road, like you say, three days on the bounce, I try to avoid that. But if I am and I come back, I feel like I'm sinking. I feel like I'm just, I just worry that I'm not on top of everything since I've been out there. Even though I've been checking emails and voicemails, I feel like I'm not on top of stuff. So like you say, that next day I put in activity just to do admin simple mind-numbing tasks but it just allows me to get my feet back under the desk and feel confident that I am in, in control of things again and you mentioned energy so you said extrovert and and I saw this on Twitter the other day people would talk about introversion like it means shyness and anxiety and that is one use of the word but in Myers-Briggs uh, terminology introversion and extroversion means where as Katie says where you get your energy from so some people get it from being with other people like being with other people they will leave you buzzing for other people um they recut you know they prefer to um be on their own or prefer time and space to think and that's where they get their energy from so i think there's something about knowing where knowing about your energy levels and knowing what gets you buzzing and knowing what you find draining and that may take some time to observe because i think if you work were employed previously you kind of took the environment your company gave you so if it was open plan office if it was let's all have a meeting to discuss everything and if that's not your style you may just that doesn't work for you you may gravitate to the way you used to work and try to replicate it in co-working spaces but actually it's really worth observing like you say Katie you're, you're getting your best energy in the evenings at the minute and a huge part of well-being is not just avoiding breaking down it's actually working in harmony with the way your brain and body likes to do stuff uh, as far as you can we need to accommodate others so I, I, I like that idea yeah. of energy yeah and like sometimes the reality is like I have to push through and do stuff so like for example like yesterday Michelle and I were scheduled to do this podcast in the morning yesterday and I messaged her and said look I'm struggling a bit at the moment I don't think I'm going to be on my best form for this podcast can we reschedule and now we're recording it in the evening on the Tuesday and I still wasn't feeling brilliant but I knew in the evening I'd have a bit more of a chance that, you know, because I just know that that's my pattern at the moment for whatever reason. Um, but I was like, do you know what? Like, it needs to get done. So I'm going to do it. And so sometimes you do just have to push through. And I tend to know now the the kind of impact on pushing through, how it how much of an impact that has on me. So like, I know when it's something where I'm not feeling great, but I can push through versus... I mean, to be honest, I can pretty much, 95% of the time I can push through something. But if I'm feeling really rubbish, then that does have a big impact on me afterwards because it's it's almost like I'm sort of suppressing the anxiety. And so it has to come out in some other form later on. And so I try not to push through when I'm really bad because I know it'll just come back and bite me in the future. But I know when it's a kind of medium to low level, like actually I can just kind of push through and do it. And maybe there'll be a bit of a toll on me afterwards. But actually, sometimes it just actually, it almost helps to kind of reset it. If I've been feeling rubbish for a couple of days in a row, it actually helps to have something that is, you know, that does make me accountable and that will get me in a different frame of mind and talking about stuff. And and so it is, in some ways, it's helpful. And it's kind of, you know, so I do have, if I've got client training and stuff like that, um, sometimes if I'm feeling bad and then I kind of have to kind of switch on and be kind of, on podcasting mode or, or client training mode, then that kind of almost helps me to keep going afterwards. So I think again, in terms of energy, um, and you've spoken about this before, Michelle, there's almost you can kind of create your frame of mind 
by how you act. Yes. Um, yeah. It isn't always possible, but sometimes it is. So I think it's about knowing when it when when you just need a bit of a nudge and when you genuinely do need that break. Yeah, and having those people around you as well. And I think that's the other one for me, Katie. I, I said I've suffered from stress and burnout uh, in a previous role. And one of the things that um, made a huge difference... Well, one of the things I got wrong when it went wrong was that I... Um, I did loads of work and of course there is always more work and um my exercise my healthy eating my time with friends and family got pushed you know was was whatever time was left so once I finished working I'd come home and whatever energy I had the energy left for that's where it would go and I won't go into it here but I mean I just had a bit of a my body suffered I was run down my skin like just constant colds I even had stress headaches at one point and dizzy spells and none of that actually flagged it home but it was one day when I came home and my wife asked me how were you how are you how was your day which is like what every stepford wife should do right and uh, <laughs> and in my head i was doing the whole brief encounter thing if you've ever seen the victoria wood parody of that in my head i'm going shut up shut up shut up i never said it but i just and then my parents came to stay for the weekend and i felt like such a bitch it was like these are the people who love you most in the world they deserve your best energy and they're getting the crappy bit that's left that's not right and that was the, my breaking point and i just think you know it's worth it's worth getting the, the right way around so what i did in the end was i ended up switching up and go right no my gym classes um my meal times um my family time is in the diary first and they they, they are going in and that is protected they don't move and uh the work fits around it and i had a very different conversation with my boss the next day which was you know that i've signed up for this weight loss program at the gym i'll be leaving on time on monday and wednesday and early on tuesdays and he was like uh sure it was fine so um so i would say put put the time for the things that are important for your well-being your your whether it's eating whether it's exercise whether it's just doing nothing on the sofa is fine netflix is fine and or video game or whatever and just put that in the diary first and book your work around it because it will soon disappear you'll never have that time left over if the work goes in first that'd be one of my tips and and on that in terms of keeping your your mental health Katie we've talked we've covered quite a lot already but I know financial pressure you know some people out there going well that's very well and good but um I'm freelance so I've got to manage this uncertainty around finances um and time is money and so if you've got any sort of tips about how do we balance this mentality of I have to work every hour to earn versus looking after your mental health yeah, I mean, that is the really tricky thing that if if we could come up with the like super magical secret sauce for that, that would work for every single person, then, you know, we, we'd be one of those people selling the, the terrible courses via Facebook that promised the world um, that but almost certainly don't deliver. And I think, you know, I don't I don't have one answer for that and like you know like oh we we we've just recently bought a house and had what is kind of the closest we're going to get to a wedding recently so we had a big party to celebrate my own 10 year anniversary um and so yeah we've been hemorrhaging cash recently we haven't really got very much money and i've not been earning very much uh, because i've been spending time on those other things um so yeah I, i'm feeling that pain right now and luckily for me january is quite a busy month and so i guess that my, my first tip would be know the times of the year that you are most likely to be busy and make sure that you know you're doing as much as you can to protect yourself so that you can take advantage of that um sometimes again for me it is about going okay well do you know what i know january's busy but i know february's a bit quieter so if i need to push through and if i need to actually kind of work a little bit harder in january and then i know i will allow myself a break in february and that does work sometimes for me um I think again it's it's such a cliche but you know how can you work smarter not harder and what I've found for me is um you know obviously working with the wonderful Michelle doing a coaching session uh, one of the things that we did and we sort of touched on this last in our last episode when we were talking about planning for 2020 um but one of the things that I'd done is I'd written out um, how much money I wanted to earn this year, um, and it was it was based in it was it's kind of based on real figures of okay here's what I want here's what would allow me to feel okay financially here's what would allow me to feel like not stressed about money 
to a point where it wouldn't be impacting my mental health and I wouldn't be worrying about it. Um, so there's the sort of basic covering the overheads, covering the mortgage and the bills and everything. And then the, there was building back up the savings that we've had to kind of dip into for things. And then there was creating another set of savings for like holidays and, and nice things. And then setting up a buffer for my work, you know, work expenses as well. Um, and paying off a little bit of credit card debt that I've got left over as well. So there was a few different kind of inputs. So I, and, and the number that I came up with was, was much, much higher than anything I've earned in the past. And so at first I thought, well, okay, maybe that's a bit unrealistic. Maybe I can't do that. But I sat down and tried to plan out how I could get to that number. And actually it was surprisingly easy to work out how I could get there. And one of the things that it's... Um, again made me realize again setting setting these kind of boundaries with my time is that if I've got the right clients and I'm kind of billing for my time appropriately then actually that should be enough to be able to hit that number I mean maybe I won't get there but if I'm if I'm trying to aim at the highest target then I should at least get to the minimum target which takes that pressure off me a bit um and I think one of the things that highlighted to me was actually if I could do slightly fewer client projects for more money, then that would be better. Because if I'm doing a client project that is um, support work, so if somebody comes to me, they've already got a Squarespace website and they say, can you make some changes to the Squarespace website? I tend to have as many calls with them as I would with a client where I'm doing a big full website build. But I'm generally not charging them as much as I am for a client. And so unless I'm billing them literally in a kind of lawyer style for my calls, then it's, which I, which I do do sometimes, not to the minute or anything, but you know, I do say like, cause I, cause I quite often do some of the work on the calls. I do charge for that. But it just made me realize that it was a much less efficient way of earning money. And so it made me think actually, okay, if I could do these client projects, and okay, then if I could do if I could do two client projects per month, then that would go a big way towards the income goal that I want. But the amount that I would need to charge for those client projects is more than I currently charge. And I don't necessarily want to put my prices up massively again. So that made me think, okay, well, how can I add value? Rather than just putting the prices up, how can I add value but in a way that's maybe easier for me to do um, or like kind of lower effort or kind of upselling things so it's made me think more about creating packages for people um, where quite often it's stuff that I may be just doing as part of the website stuff anyway but I should be charging for it because it is separate and it is an extra service that I'm offering and so I think that's that's kind of where I'm the direction I'm moving in so I will still be offering the sort of lower cost start a website option which is but I'm going to scale back what that includes so that's going to be a bit more of a very basic if you don't have much budget here's what you get and here's what you don't get and then have but have more slightly premium options where I can where I can spend where I can justify spending that bit more time on the project because I'm charging more money for it and also help people with other aspects of the um, of, of the work so for example one of the things that I'm going to be doing is offering integration with member space which is a plugin for Squarespace that lets you create a membership community or if you want to do like an online course on your website you can use this tool so just little things like that and it's made me go okay if this is the number that I need to earn what is what is the package that would be a fair price to charge for that and the next step is then working out okay and who are the right clients that would need that package and I think for me as well then offering something for people who can't who don't have the budget for that so having the training offering as well is helpful and one of the things that I'm going to be working on is an online course as well which I've shied away for for a long time because I don't believe in passive income and I think that if you do an online course there is a, a lot of work involved it's not passive you have to make sure you're keeping it up to date and you're you know potentially interacting with the students and everything but one of the things that again will be something I could upsell and be if I've created this online course then I can add that into the one of my packages so that people have got the access to the training once they've got the website, you know, I, I generally include a 20 minute training video as part of the, the package by that, that's standard and that everybody gets a 20 minute training video for their site, but a lot of people want more. And so if they can get that training option included as a, as a kind of add on, so they can know how to update the site themselves and they don't have to come and pay me every time they want something doing, then 
um, just little things like that. Yeah, okay. Um, so I think, I think having that target sort of, yeah. It helped. But also, Kate, you had some good suggestions there. Like you say, I, I know the, the work smarter, not harder thing is kind of like cheesy and it might people might be saying, thinking, oh, it's very well and good. But you've given some really good examples of how you could do it. And I think the thing is, review your customer base because a lot of freelancers, once when they start out, they'll say yes to anything. And actually, sometimes we don't know what our work is or where our skills are best placed or what's the most profitable. So we take on work to begin with, but then over time we keep those customers as legacy customers and we either don't put our prices up or we continue to work with customers who where um, maybe we're not adding value or we're not getting value from them and uh, we, we keep them on the books even if that's not necessarily fits our business model anymore because our context change. It changes so much. So think about, if you even just draw like a little chart and think about think of the people who you earn money from your clients how much of your time do they take or how much effort if you like do they require so how much value do they need from you and then how much value do they give to you and and obviously the big one there is money but of course they may provide value in other ways in terms of the relationship other opportunities referrals so that's very subjective but almost two axes one versus the amount they they require from you one versus what they they bring in and like you say katie you've got loads of examples there of what you can do is it a a premium package is it a train a passive we're using air quotes again on the podcast is it is it passive income is it subscription service is there a smarter way of doing it and and katie's just described her ones there and she says that not only is that taking a load off her but that actually helps with her income target as well and i think i think that's true and you know sometimes you're better off pursuing either more certain but slightly slightly less paid work so if i take on a training contract for example if i'm guaranteed work over a period of time the individual day rate will be less if i need the cash flow that may make sense it may take the pressure off if i want the higher rate then i might have to do to work differently so well but we forget to review that from time to time and i think that's worth it too in terms of uh, upping your rates to existing clients. I know that's something people ask me about quite a lot of like, oh, you know, like I'm still charging this person the same price as when I first started and they're a really nice client. I just need to charge them more and I'm really scared to ask them. But I think if you, ex- I think, you know, very few people expect to pay the same for a service without price increases. You know, in, in daily life, we all expect price increases on our energy bills, on our train fares, on our phone bills. So I think paying for a service, you expect fair you know as long as it's not ridiculous price increases so um for me for example i had a client that was um again on yeah what i'd call my kind of legacy rate um and before christmas i'd done some work from them and i said um right i'll send over the invoice just to let you know um from january i'm going to be increasing my rates um so i'll you know from january any work will be charged at this new rate and he's sent a message back saying well just charge me your new rate now that can be my Christmas present to you you oh that's Um, really sweet because you valued the work and I think that's the thing is if you do a good job for somebody then they're generally quite happy to make sure that they keep you you know like if if they value you and you add value to their lives and make their lives easier somehow then paying an extra whatever it is per hour or an extra you know an extra percentage per project is probably worth it to them um and we you know we chronically undervalue ourselves as freelancers so they've probably been feeling like they've been getting a really good deal and they're like you know that's what i have people say to me sometimes like oh yeah no you should charge me more you know um and i think my prices are comparable to other people's and sometimes expensive but a lot of clients will say to me like oh no you should charge me more for this so you know i find if you do a good job people are quite willing to accept a bit of an increase and it's worth having that conversation and don't do yeah just kind of say it. it's like just to let you know I've been you know and actually one of the things is that it was quite a big jump for that client because I've been sort of reluctant because I hadn't been having that conversation um for like two years so it was a big jump because I hadn't done it last year um so as now I'm going to make sure it's an annual thing to say like right just so you know annual like rate increase is going up to this yeah um if you want to chat about this, let me know. That's a, that's a really you good know. idea as well. And again, with regards to well-being, not only does it take the time off in terms of financial pressure and perhaps your time pressure, but for your well-being and your self-esteem as well, if we feel that the work that we're doing is underpaid or undervalued, that does chip away at you. So I think for your well-being, it's good to feel that you're being paid what uh, you, you deserve as well. And I think when we talk about financial pressure and, and what that can do to your well-being, 
do try and save. We mentioned pay yourself first. I think that's really important. So try and keep your finances uh, in in check. And if you can, just even it's little bits, just put it away. Um, Katie, I was going to ask you this. I've seen, you know, like Spotify do your 2019. I've seen Monzo do the same and people share on social media. And it looks like you can save little pennies on Monzo. Is this true? Is Is that a way of like saving stealthily yeah yeah so you can as in you can on monzo you can round up your transactions and have them all and have the the difference automatically go into a little savings account is that what you were meaning yeah because i see people do that on social media and i thought actually some people have have saved a a fair bit of money doing that like you know not mega amounts yeah you know it all adds up a lot of banks are starting a lot of banks are starting to do that where you can say round up my transactions and put the difference up to the nearest pound put the difference into a separate savings you know pot or accounts for me um and i think that's a really good point actually is that you know financial pressures can come from not having enough income but also it can come from having to spend too much money so it's definitely worth reviewing your outgoings because sometimes you'll find that you know you signed up to something a year ago and you've just forgotten about it and and actually you don't necessarily need that anymore and look at you know are there ways for you to save money especially if it's in the short term um obviously weigh up the benefits so one struggle i often have is i know sometimes if i go to a coffee shop to work and being in that change of environment actually helps me work better and potentially earn more money because i'm i'm sort of working in a better you know working more effectively but there is an upfront cost to doing that um and so it's about weighing that up so at the moment where when i feel like because I'm, I'm in the kind of post-Christmas invoice dip <laughs> because I didn't do work for two weeks. And so I'm, I'm now at the point where that work would normally be being paid to me, but of course I didn't do the work, so I'm not getting any money. But I've just started sending out invoices again. So I know that money's coming in, but in the short term, I'm going, right, okay, I'm not gonna go to coffee shops for a little bit, just to sort of batten down the hatches and save for a little bit. But as soon as I've got that money coming in again, I know that it's worth investing in myself to do that. Yeah. So I, I was just, look at where you're outgoing. I was the same. I went to, I, I did the opposite. I went to Freshworks and I did spend the money. So again, waiting for invoices to come through. But I went to Freshworks to rekindle the relationships, to move my body and actually just to get, re, like I say, rekindle relationships with people who give me advice, who give me support. And actually, like you say, Katie, that, that has a value as well. But um, yeah, where you can uh, save money, there's less pressure on you to work every hour um, if you spend less and we also Katie and I both believe that living more simply also makes you happier as well Um, so we're with that the the other options you can have to take the pressure off um, in in terms of mental health and well-being you could have subcontractors so you might need to tell a client if you're doing this but let's say you are a copywriter uh, or Katie's a web designer are there freelancers who share your values who do work to your standard who you trust that can cover for you so if you need a blog writing or even just part of it or a graphic doing can you pay someone so yes you may have to give them a proportion of your fee but if you are having a mental health episode it still allows you to get the work over the line and keep your reputation intact um that's a tricky one some people don't like to let go but if you can it's worth building those connections and our last one we've and maybe identify as well just on that michelle just identify the areas where you could outsource if needed so for example um with freelance folk i had a virtual assistant for a while I and mean, to be honest the only reason i stopped was because she changed the services to do more focus on copywriting whereas what i was using her for was actually research and adding stuff onto the website and I realised that it doesn't need to be me doing that, you know, and that there are some areas where I wouldn't want to outsource, like in, in the kind of work that I deliver, because there's certain things that I think it being me doing it is the thing that the clients are paying for. But there's other things that, you know, if it's just a case of adding a ton of pages onto a website, as long as I trust that the person can do it well and has enough attention to detail, which is a challenge to find good people. But I, I would quite happily do that. So there's sometimes where if a client has, um, um, I've not actually had to ever invoke this, but sometimes if, if a client wants to have a new website and they're talking about bringing over content from their old website, I always say to them, if you if you want, you know, if, if it's not one that can just be imported, if you want that content moving over, I'll need to just charge you a bit extra and I will outsource that to somebody who will be cheaper for you to do it because there's no point in you paying my rate to do that manual work. You may as well pay my rate and get, you know the benefits of it um and also i have rsi problems and so there's no point in me injuring myself 
doing it. So like I've had tendon problems since I was like 14 and I manage them because I don't do a lot of repetitive copy and paste work and I don't do too much handwriting. Um, thank- computers have like saved my body basically. Yeah. Um, so like you say, you've got, you got to tell them, but you can certainly do it, can't you? No, but yeah. And so everyone's been like, yeah, that's fine. We'll just pay that. And actually, thankfully, most of the time, they, they kind of recognize that the content from 10 years ago on their website probably doesn't need to be transferred over and that actually starting from a nice kind of clean uncluttered website is a good move yeah. so and as a strength coach Katie I, I would say play to strengths as well so um do the jobs that energize you and fulfill you that is so good for your well-being it's not just about time or effort it's playing to your strengths and that is is has untold benefits and finally um I'll just chuck this in here I know we talk about freelancing and we've said it on other podcasts um taking a part-time job is not defeat so we have met freelancers on our travels who have taken part-time jobs or even full-time jobs uh, for periods as well um, because the financial uncertainty or because they're having to deal with people or the pressure of marketing or whatever or sales or whatever um, they've just not in a position to do it or they've just needed to retreat temporarily and I think that's fine as well if you need need to do that do it you know put yourself first yeah Absolutely. Or even going on, you know, like when I first started, I used like people per hour, you know, so it's like people per hour and Upwork. We've talked in the past about how they're not always the greatest thing to do because there's a bit of a race to the bottom. You you can piece against people who've got a lower cost of living or people who just deliver for a cheaper price, but with less quality. But if, you know, if you just need a quick cash infusion, there is no, no harm on going onto one of those sites if there's work that you can deliver quickly to get a bit of money just to tide you over then again it's it's that kind of don't you know the, there's the ideal way of doing things and then there's the just getting you through the rough patch way of doing things and I think that that is fine as long as then that doesn't become the default and that you still again give yourself that permission to go in and sort of find the actual kind of good client base which isn't necessarily the people that live on those sites some of them are then they just don't know where else to find people but a lot of people go on because they want good work for nothing yeah so there's other way i mean even some people get really snobby and they're like oh well you know contracting isn't running a business or uh you know or it's not proper freelancing or whatever but you know screw that um if it pays your bills and it makes you happy then 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 do what you need to do to to, to get everything sorted and Katie, i think we said we're going to discuss how to talk to clients i think you've already shared some really good tips about how you talk to clients um maybe before and after i mean you have you have a really good relationship with your clients so um you've said there that you tell them and you you set realistic deadlines um if it was a brand new client and that relationship wasn't necessarily there just to finish off was there anything that you would do differently if you had a mental health episode that stopped you from delivering something and you maybe yeah you didn't know them how would you handle that um I think I would be in touch with them before I was before the thing happened so like if there was a deadline that I had to miss like there would have been like three or four stages that would have happened before that missed deadline because I would never just wait until the deadline to contact somebody and you know even even in my kind of darkest moments where I've been really really struggling and I haven't wanted to talk to anybody and like you know I I just sometimes I just want to hide from the world I don't want to go on my emails I don't want to answer my phone but I know if I have made a commitment to somebody and I'm not going to be able to deliver on that. I want to tell them with as much notice as possible. So say I'd said something to be ready on the Wednesday and on the Monday, I knew it just wasn't going to happen. Even if I was feeling rubbish on the Monday, I would do one thing and that would be to reach out to that client and say, please, can we reschedule this to Friday or something like that? So like, that's that's even though, even though it's, it's so hard. And if you've, you know, if you've been there, you will totally get this. Like, it's the hardest thing is is reaching out to somebody when you're feeling rubbish and you feel like a failure and saying I can't do this thing that I said I would do and you every kind of fiber in your being wants to not reach out to that person but that's the one thing that I kind of I pride myself so much on like on on my accountability and my integrity and delivering that's such a kind of entrenched value for me that that almost overrides anything else and so I think maybe work with with your own values and see because they they will kind of be the things that won't be as squished by the anxiety if that makes sense or by your mental health stuff yeah definitely um 
Um, I mean, I talk about anxiety, like my counselor says there's possibly some depression in there too. So I'm just like a big old bag of feelings. Um, and so I think that's the thing. It's like sometimes it's different. I feel sometimes feel differently about how I want to approach things. But yeah, I would say communication um, and just like checkpoints for myself, you know, and, and I try and, you know, like I say, create a buffer. I, I give, you know, I, I plan for longer than I need to do a task. If I hadn't had that conversation with them, I don't know if I would necessarily explain exactly what it was. I would probably just say, I would probably just say, look, something's come up and can we change this? Yeah. Like I don't, you don't feel need to tell that them. I need, yeah. to, no, I don't feel like I need to share. So, I mean, there's maybe a couple of clients who know the details, but very few have the detail, very few know the kind of full extent of, of the struggle. Um, so yeah, I would say, just, just communicate is my thing. Yeah. Right? That's what I keep coming back to. Yeah, I think... And just keep in touch with them, be honest. You're so right, Kate. And I think the thing is, um, like you say, you don't have to tell people why. You could just say I was ill because let's be honest, you know, the world keeps turning when yeah. we're not there. And if you were to be... Heaven- and you were ill. If you were, if you were hit by it. Like, it, it's an illness. It's the same, it's, exactly. You wouldn't judge it differently, would you? You wouldn't judge a physical illness <laughs> any different. So if you were hit by a bus, heaven forbid, uh, or, you know, the train broke down, you were stuck on traffic on the M6 or whatever, people would work around it. And then I think that's why the communication yeah. is so important. My favourite phrase is I've been, I'm a bit under the weather because that to me feels the most authentic way of describing how I feel whilst also possibly kind of being a bit vague. Yeah. Um, and I think it's... Because that, that does, you know... Yeah, th- Sorry, I was on. gonna say, well, things things go wrong and people get ill or stuff happens. But I think that um, it's annoying. So people might not be very happy that, that's, that there's been a spanner in the works. But... Spannering the works, as we say, can happen for any reason. So people don't mind so much. Or the main thing is they just want to know where they stand so that they can make plans accordingly. So like you say, Kate, if you say, look, can we reschedule this? Or I'm really sorry, but uh, something's come up. This is going to have to move back or I'm a bit under the weather. Then as long as you tell them early, and as long as you're upfront and honest about it, they can work around it and you don't have to justify or yeah. explain it. But telling people early enough to put contingency plans in place or to communicate their end, that's the thing. You are where you are, but they've got to be able to work around it. So that's why that conversation you were saying, even if you have to push yourself through it, that's that, that that's why that is so important. Um, I think people would rather yeah. know and work around it than, than not know to the last minute. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to get to the point where they're having to chase you up because then that makes you feel worse about yourself and can add to your mental health woes. Um, for me, it does anyway. Um, but I think the one thing that I'd say as well is like, we're all quite self-centered people just in life. You know, we like think about ourselves a lot because we are us. And I think sometimes we, we like almost overthink how much of an impact we have on that client's world. And quite often, like if I'm like rescheduling a meeting, the client might be like, oh, I forgot we had the meeting or, oh, that's brilliant because I haven't prepared for it either. Or, oh, okay, okay, great. Like, um, actually I haven't done my work or, oh, that's really good because I've got so much on. And quite a lot of the time, if you're sort of pushing back on something, they're actually grateful for it or, or, the, or it's just like, you're not as important to them as you had made yourself out to be. Yeah. And that's the reality of it. It's like, you can make it into this big thing of like, oh my God, I'm going to ruin their day. Everything is terrible. This is all they've been thinking about. And it's just like, I mean, to be honest, you're probably an afterthought. Like, Yeah, no, it's true. We get caught up on our own feelings and we forget that people have other stuff going on. And, and I think if... If something does go wrong or for some reason you miss a deadline or you couldn't face telling them or you you just procrastinated that conversation because those conversations are hard, nobody likes them, then I I would just just say that, look... um, just explain the situation to them. So I mentioned Bill McFarlane from Drop the Pink Elephant. That's his book. He talks about when things go wrong in business generally. And regret, reason, remedy, his three R's. So, you, so the regret bit is you just say, I regret I missed the deadline. Uh, or I'm sorry is better if you are at fault. If you don't feel you ought to apologise for having a mental health challenge. I know I regret that we you know we were on different pages or I didn't meet the deadline. He said, then just explain the reason. 
So the reason is that I was ill, which means I missed the deadline, or I had a medical appointment, which meant I couldn't uh, couldn't make the meeting. And then remedy, but what I'm going to do is you will get your work, I will put this right, here's what I'm going to do, I'm going to deliver this, this and this, and I'll get it to you by this date. So regret, reason, remedy, and you don't have to waffle, you don't have to justify, just get those threes R in, and if you've got those three things, um, that's that's what it takes to heal a relationship. And sometimes, we, look, we've all missed meetings, I've done it by accident twice uh, in the last month, so um you just got to get your do your three r's and, and as i say people do work around it yeah that's such a good point actually i think the remedy bit is something that is really important because like the the, the clients often don't really care about the reason they just care on the, about the impact it has on them um i think it's worth saying it as you know an explanation rather than ex- and an excuse yeah um and kind of phrasing it that way but i think the remedy thing is what's most important is like okay here's how we're going to get back on track i'm going to work on the sunday so actually it's all going to catch up with itself and the schedule won't be affected or you know if you've caused them an actual inconvenience can you give them a discount or can you add some extra service in to kind of offset that you know oh okay well you know i I recognize that this has happened i'm going to give you access to this thing that i i you know that maybe if you've got something that you can give them as like a gift or something you know like if you've got a a pdf or something oh let me give you get that let me give you this as a bonus or just what what can you do to sort of if you can add some value, but without adding too much time for yourself, do it. But just even something to make them feel special and to make them feel like you recognize the impact that you've had on them. Yeah, the acknowledgement. And proportional to that as well, you know? Yeah. Like don't go overboard and don't be like, right, okay, I'm gonna give you 50% off the full bill for the project because I was one day late. That's not proportional. So I think think about what's proportional to the impact that you've had on yeah, them. Yeah, I think people want the acknowledgement of the impact that you've had on them more than yeah. they want the discount or the thing. But like you say, if you can make people feel good. And there is research that shows that if you there is an issue and you make it right people are more loyal to you than had the issue never occurred in the first place so it's not the end of the world people are more concerned how you deal with bumps in the road than the fact that there was a bump in the road things are going to happen see it as a customer service opportunity yes I know you're not thinking that at the time but that 100% is what we're calling it (laughs) so Katie that's I mean we've covered quite a lot there this is a massive subject and I think there's so much that could could be said but I think I know every time we're like we're going to do a short episode then every time we're like oh there's so much to say about it no but this is this is a big one and I know that a lot of freelancers have this and like you say freelancers I find do talk about this a little bit more uh, perhaps than my experience of being employed um, not always but I, generally speaking that's true so Katie just to, to, to finish off then we always finish by just sharing one tip uh, each or our big takeaway from our conversation um, what would your big takeaway from this be? I feel like I'm probably beating the communication drum, but communication, (laughs) I feel like that's the word I've just said the most in this podcast. I think just be open with, you know, keep people in the loop. Just tell them, you know, yeah, like in the level of detail that is comfortable for you, manage their expectations, communicate, apologize if you need to. Yeah. Move on. Communicate. Do a good job. Communicate, 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 I think is key. What about you? Um, My big one is, yeah, try and be be proactive as i say you wouldn't flog someone if you took on a contract you wouldn't flog them to within an inch of their life work wise don't do that to you either um i would suggest put the time for your well-being in the diary like a meeting like a client meeting and protect it have just a few things in that you're not going to move whether that's cooking well eating well moving exercising socializing have it just a few hours in make sure they're protected and work everything else around it and that gives you the fuel uh, to, to do everything else katie one of my favorite sayings and i think i've said it on a podcast before you can't pour from an empty cup so there we go that's why i think you should do that <laughs> amazing that's a very good phrase to end on um so as always we would love to hear from you i know this is obviously a sensitive subject so you know feel free to share as much as is comfortable for you if you want to get in touch with us we're on twitter at 99 problems cast that's the number 99 problems and then cast as in podcast and we'd also love to hear from you if you've got any suggestions for upcoming episodes as well. We do have our list of 99 problems, but we want to make sure it's all relevant to you. And of course, if you want to make sure that you keep up to date and get the most recent episodes as we publish them, then subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, but until then, we will see you next time for an episode of 99 Problems, but a boss ain't one.